Oh, so we're recording right now. All right, so let's yeah. introduce ourselves. Oh no. <laughs> who wants? To, who wants? What? To start? No, that's not how. That's how do? That's not how we start episodes. <laughs> All right, so how do we? Six months later, now, Thomas. You say what this podcast is, and you what episode we're on. Yeah. And then you introduce us, and then we fail to communicate properly <laughs> with timing, and then okay. we act like it's an original joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, welcome to the next episode of SparkCast. Today, it's out my throat. <laughs> I can't do that voice. Uh, my throat's not good for it. Welcome to the next episode of... Welcome, welcome. Sparkcast. (laughs) Welcome to Sparkcast, and I'm your host, Sean. And also over here, uh, somewhere else in Maryland, is Rami Ravage Sammy. (laughs) Yes, you also double effed up because you cursed on our show. (laughs) (laughs) That means you can't use that take, though. Hold on, I go. Oh no, I'll just insert it with a Transformers laser blast. It'll be fine. Oh, perfect. And who else do we have? <laughs> Not in Maryland, but who are you? Thomas. <laughs> I'm sorry, are you okay with telling the internet and the world what state we live in? No, this makes me immediately uncomfortable. I'm sweating right now. That's all I'll ask us oh, to, suck it up. <laughs> to ever give of our personal information. Other uh, than our names. You get my IP address and no more. <laughs> Okay. And our likenesses as robots. We're coming back to you after a few months of uh, not not recording so we're trying to get back into the swing of things i have here an old note that i wrote for thomas in our previous episodes you said that dr archiville looks like a bargain bin dr wiley well did you know thomas that i am actually a descendant of the wiley family i'll go ahead and formally apologize for offending your your grandfather i'll guess oh um. my god <laughs> Great, 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 great grandmother, Jenny Wiley, if you've ever heard of her. She was that woman who was taken in by Native Americans and then uh, decades later ran away and was found. She wrote an autobiography after that. So none of my ancestors actually did a research on all of my Wiley relatives. None of them were doctors yet, so I I am not a descendant of any Dr. Wiley. Now you can join the rest of us, plebs. We are this episode, guys. Episode (laughs) Countdown to Extinction. The 14th episode of the original Transformers. A.K.A. watching Starscream fail miserably for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was beautiful. (laughs) Who wants to try to give a summary of this episode? Thomas. All right. Who named Thomas? I am the only Thomas, so I will give the summary. (laughs) This episode is basically just a continuation of the story from previous episode. I don't know. was, Was this part three or was part three the previous episode? 
Part three was the previous. This is kind of like an epilogue. Okay, so yeah, so it's like an, an ep- yeah an epilogue for the previous little miniseries. And in this episode, Starscream is up to the best stuff that makes this show the best. He believes Megatron has been destroyed, and he is wasting no time in taking over and putting forward his plans. He's trying to basically rehash the plan of the previous three episodes and destroying a planet and harvesting its energy so you get through most of that megatron comes back shockwave he breaks down in tears that he's he's so excited that megatron's still alive he tells he tells uh he snitches out on uh on starscream but no needed him around to do anything about it optimus makes sure they're all delayed and fight over the electric light football <laughs> and then coincidence brings Starscream back down into episode. So uh, I'll tell you all quick differences from the Japanese version. He's the meets the eye. He's a robot in disguise. Rumble getting thrown around was hilarious because he screamed like a girl. It really sounded like a girl was doing the voice. Uh, and maybe it was. Who knows? And they added an echo to Megatron whenever he's talking down the cliffs at the Autobots. I realized that wasn't there originally. But the weirdest thing is there was a summary of all three episodes before this episode started because those three episodes did not air in Japan because Jetfire was in them. It immediately just went to this episode and we're like, oh yeah, all this other stuff happened. And everyone's probably watching that going, well, why haven't we seen those episodes? That's really weird. Hmm. Yeah, because no one would get to see them until the end of season two or season three. No, I don't. I don't think the Jetfire ones came out until the end of like either end of season two or three. It's been too long since I talked about this. I've already forgotten. And those Jetfire episodes were like not aired Skyfire. initially because of uh, <laughs> Jetfire. <laughs> those Skyfire episodes weren't aired initially because of like copyright stuff with uh, yeah, the other company. Okay, yeah. So they didn't want to advertise for him and all this other stuff. Next, we'll get to the writer of this episode. Sarcasm not appreciated. Sammy, you want to read the writer history? Hell yeah. So uh, this episode was written by Reed Robbins and Peter Salas. Reed was the story editor for Foo Fur, Wake, Rattle and Roll, and Smurfs, in which he also wrote over 20 episodes and was the story creditor for many others. His writing in Smurfs earned him two daytime Emmy nominations. He last wrote episodes for Captain Planet. He became a composer during his writing work and also composed every episode of Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog in 1993. So, the good one. Uh, <laughs> that AKA comedy one is what I wrote. Yeah, I don't care. It's the good one. Uh, <laughs> then there's the serious <laughs> one. All right. Look, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog got me into Sonic. Uh, it was stupid and great, and I loved it. I love this guy for writing it. And also, actually, it just makes me laugh. Never mind. Well, it's he made funny. all... I said he he did all the music for Sonic. He didn't write any of the episodes. Yeah, no, that's why I yeah. stopped myself and I was like, mm, hey, no. Okay. <laughs> but that is still, it's just funny that they connect. Anyways, yeah. Um, his other episode of Transformers is Quest for Survival, also written with Peter Salas. Peter Salas has no other major work and no other information could be found about him. He is a mystery. <laughs> it's like the second guy we haven't been able to find any information on since I started looking up the writers. Look, some people are just hired off the street because they just needed somebody to write some robots. <laughs> and they're like, hey, do you like robots? And they're like, yeah, I mean, I guess. And they just invite them into the studio. It was the 80s. 
I'm just imagining someone walking down the streets with a microphone in like New York City or some city just going, hey, with a megaphone, does anybody want to write for this this ep- this cartoon? We need writers. Her, somebody help us. That's exactly how that works. <laughs> we can only pay you the, the cost of a hot dog, but you get to write for us. You, you get to put your name in lights mm-hmm. that no one will read. <laughs> can I put my name in the hot dog? Uh, if you want to, you could write it in mustard or ketchup if you prefer. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Grimlock, no like you. What did we like and not like about this episode? So everything was beautiful because it's Starscream centered. And there's a lot of uh, memorable quotes in this oh, yeah. episode in particular. I don't have memorable quotes, but somewhere along the line, somebody said world in ruins and shattered planet. I think that was the narrator. But I was like, yeah, so the narrator says the- that at the beginning. So I'm like, if this is what happened, shouldn't the whole episode be the Transformers digging graves for the millions of people that were killed the last three episodes? Nah. I mean, I did like so, it. it was actually, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess that kind of stuck with you. And it also kind of stuck with me as well, because, again, the narrator's talking about, like, well, one, I didn't appreciate him saying he put all of this on Megatron and said that, like, Megatron's actions led to Earth being just having all these catastrophes going around and just cities just being laid to waste when it was Optimus's own selfish choice. So that's why I went I went back a few episodes to make sure that like yeah it was just Optimus it it was his choice to either let Cybertron be destroyed or the Earth get destroyed. He chose <laughs> to have the Earth get destroyed. The narrator's just trying to sweep that under the rug, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like. This is a very good opportunity for them to actually show the human element of just what's going on here. But mm-hmm. no, we just see a bunch of uh, just a giant city that's just nothing but rubble. Or it was like, I guess every single human has died in this particular city they're showcasing. I also liked how the episode is an epilogue to the last one. It's not just, well, the world's reset and now back to our normal adventures. Like, I mean, they're kind of acting like nothing happened before. I yeah, mean, I was about to say, like, it's uh, not, it's... I mean, Optimus killed, I mean, he killed millions, and they're not addressing it at all. They'll hey, grow back. Is, <laughs> so, are we going to put Optimus in court, and he's going to defend himself, be like, well, uh, it was already happening, I just made sure it continued. So, is that really make him fallible for, the, for his actions? Because he was saving uh, I don't a know. planet Maybe that's from like destroyed. first degree mass murder, something. I don't know. He, uh, he's not clean, not not one bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm not arguing with this at all. <laughs> when the episode started, I thought Wheeljack would have some kind of twist that showed that he was taking a picture of them fixing everything. Because like he was just, I, I thought he had a camera and was going to be like, "Oh man, here's everybody rebuilding." But instead, it was a calibration tool. For building of some kind and all that was just abandoned like after the first minute about the last three episodes <laughs> yeah so i guess it is true what you said earlier about them like not even addressing it another thing i like was basically this the the sequence right after this where skywarp is uh hanging out in i don't know where he where they are i <laughs> guess it's just some decepticon base that they're they're in and they're yeah. trying to repair it and it, then he he just gets in a fight with with Rumble because I guess Rumble I, well Rumble wasn't doing something proper. Skywarp was giving him a hard time, so Rumble decided to attack him. 
that uh, yeah it's just uh, it, it's just amazing that they actually decide that like okay the scale matters in this sequence and we're just gonna he, we're just gonna have skywarp's backhand rumble and destroy him pretty much and he's just knocked out cold <laughs> before <laughs> frenzy shows up and then they tag team him <laughs> so i also wanted to ask like frenzy is that the first time he's been shown in this series so far I, if he's the second uh, cassette, small, like he's cassette like a guy. red one, a red yeah. cassette. I th- I think maybe he only he started showing up now because they didn't show both of them all the time. There was only the purple one for the longest time. Who we know is Frenzy, even though the red one is supposed to be Frenzy. But, you know, he'll always be Frenzy in my heart. Which one's <laughs> supposed to be Frenzy? The red one? I know we discussed this on his character uh, section, so you know, go check out episode number. I don't remember. No, I gotta yeah, go do and that. you can tell us down in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go do homework. Yeah. Oh my god! So I need to tell you something I hated. Just, I'm sorry. I'll just edit myself out. But fuck ears, man. <laughs> like Huffer or no uh, Huffer? Never mind. It was Huffer. Like Gears actually did something good. He was working to fix mankind's shattered planet, and uh, Huffer's making fun of him for something while he's trying to rebuild a whole planet. I'm like, come on, Huffer. Seriously? So, yeah. Look, someone's got to be useless here. Even though he was making fun of my most hated uh, Autobot, he, he didn't deserve it this time. See, that's probably why it, was an, it wasn't a very <laughs> difficult choice, it seems like, for Optimus to make to destroy the Earth. Because it doesn't seem like the, the Autobots really care that much. They're they're over it already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked how the Decepticon leadership badge is just this little badge that's glossy and reflective. And then I mean, it doesn't it need to be fancier be at all. Like, <laughs> it's like he just shows up the Shockwave, but Shockwave can't believe like Starscream has it. He's like, no, Megatron can't be gone. He's so <laughs> distraught. He just listens to Starscream and allows him to take command. That is like, the funniest thing. It's just like you are the most logical person here, and yet you're listening to Starscream. Like well, that's because he's so emotionally distraught about Megatron, he can't be logical in this moment. <laughs> well, actually, to, it seems like well, one, I think he is the most actually. logical person. <laughs> but then on top of that, he's the one that seems like he is in love with Megatron, and he really cares. And for him to just give up just because he's shown this weird badge that apparently, I don't know if that's specific to Megatron or if all the Decepticons just have that. Like, he just just gives up all hope. He's like, oh, well, he's dead. I guess I'll just start listening to you, Starscream. And that's not it, too. Like, when Megatron comes back and the explosion happens in the lab, Shockwave's like, Megatron, Megatron, come in, because he thinks he's lost him for real this time. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it, yeah, it's just kind of funny how like how earnest he is in caring about Megatron's well being, but then just in that one moment, he's just like, "All right, I guess he's gone." Yeah, and s- sadly, Shockwave will never become a three dimensional character. We'll never learn his backstory, why he's loyal Unless to Megatron. The IDW comics. Uh, yeah, but I'm talking about this this type of canon. Like, <laughs> but I do universe. I do like the dynamic that especially in this episode that he and Starscream present. Starscream is just so happy to see that Megatron's destroyed and he's taking action immediately and Shockwave pretty much throughout most of this episode is just like trying his best just to find out if Megatron's okay and to get in contact with him. Well, he did it's wait just, 4 million years, so he can wait in a few <laughs> yeah. more days to verify this explosion. Uh, 
So Thomas, you like a uh, cringe-worthy dialogue, right? Uh so So, why are we sight I guess well, we're not. But the Autobots will see something they'll never forget. See, I I I love I don't think that's cringy. I think it's just funny. So when you, I guess I was getting cringy stuff. I I I thought you were going to bring up Optimus constantly saying like, "Well, as the humans say," he said that multiple times this episode. And really, I yeah, the only line <laughs> that I wrote me, down man. was the "Lay it on me, man." Yeah, <laughs> it's so good, it's so dumb. Wait, he said so "Lay it on me, man." Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my god, he was talking to Jazz. I think I forget exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, speaking about uh, lines, <laughs> I wrote too many quotes on, <laughs> from the stupid episode and, like, not enough about anything else, apparently. Okay, um, so, so, so give us a, three. There's a point, right. huh? So give us three right now. Okay, no context. Cool. Metallic mini meatballs. Activate oh, yeah. your mouth. And <laughs> you must be exhausted from interfering with my plans. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Oh my god! I, I, you know, I those those two, the last two in particular, I laughed at. I don't know why I didn't write those down because Starscream is just the best. He is like his oh, sass meter is too much. Oh, but oh, the, I, did you write down the line where he was like basically like patronizing the doctor? The doctor figured out what Starscream, how Starscream's plan was gonna work, and he was Starscream was like, "Very good, doctor." <laughs> I didn't write that one down, but I do uh, remember that. Because he's yeah. just, like, he's so done with him. Like, he's... <laughs> very so, done. this isn't a line of dialogue, but I, I remember that Megatron throws a boulder at Optimus. Optimus jumps out of the way, and it hits Rumble. And Optimus just starts laughing at Rumble getting hit by the rock. And, and Megatron's incompetence. It was just, like, like the only time I no, think I laughed said, during Optimus the episode. Is- Optimus is also just like, looks like your aim improved, Megatron. And I'm like, <laughs> boy. But he also laughed, and I was like, is this the first time that we've ever heard Optimus laugh? I don't Did know. We get to the bas- the to the basketball episode yet? Because I'm pretty sure he laughs in that one too. <laughs> basketball episode? What? Okay, we have not gotten to that yet. Yeah, they uh they go uh to play with the Harlem Globetrotters, and oh. no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's I'm not- just kidding. <laughs> It's literally just a very brief segment at the beginning of one of the episodes. Like, it's not an actual full episode, even though I wish it was. <laughs> As but if we can say, have a comic... Boo Shaka Laka. <laughs> <laughs> if we can have a comic issue that is fully about Godzilla playing basketball, and at the end he meets, like, Michael Jordan or something, and then they're just having a battle, like, we, we can have Transformers playing basketball. Like, uh... Godzilla fact for you. <laughs> Do you have any more quotes, Sammy? There's one more, but it's, I guess it's more of the, the whole scene. Just because uh, at the end, where I forgot who says it, but there's, Star, or like, you know, Megatron drags Starscream off, and then they flash back to the Autobots, and they're like, I wonder what's going to happen to Starscream. And they're like, nothing gentle, I bet. And I'm like, uh, guys, uh, uh, mm, that's awkward. <laughs> like, <laughs> are just, you just supporting torture. Their <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that scene reminds me of Transformers Prime, where it's interesting to see how different a scene can be, even though it's the same elements, because there is a scene where Megatron takes Starscream, 
by the head and pulls him across the entire ship. And like you can hear him screaming and like as the camera is panning away and then it pans to the Autobots and they're just like, ha ha, star scream. And I'm like, this is terrifying. Torture is only acceptable when the person's evil, right? Right. Also, yeah. like in the 80s, uh, question mark. Mm. Anyways, I feel bad for Starscream like 24 <laughs> 7. Like, uh, no wonder why he's kind of a garbage can. Like, Megatron treats him like garbage. <laughs> just have two last things to bring up. And they're basically like two ridiculous moments. One where I can just only just shake my head. And the other one was just pretty funny about how ridiculous it was. So, the first one is just. Megatron just being back in general. He was on a ship that exploded in space and was full of energon cubes. The explosion was strong enough to push Cybertron out of Earth's orbit, but he survived it somehow and was able to fly back to the planet pretty much unscathed. He wasn't like, I need to go get repaired or anything. He's just like, I'm here. Let's go get that guy. (laughs) So (laughs) that was the one I was just like, all right, let's just add that to the list of things that Transformers will never have to worry about. They can just survive explosions in space. His yep. his revenge fuels him. <laughs> well, isn't that Just inherits a new body? Isn't that how that's how the first episode of Transformers Prime actually is? Like Megatron yep. explodes out in the middle of space, and Starscream takes over for like half the season. <laughs> like, and like then right Megatron away. gets back, and you know, yeah. <laughs> how did Megatron know where Doctor Archiville's secret lab was? He just goes in front of this rock, and is like, "Well, this must be it." And, and there's no explanation. I think he found out because Shockwave had communicated with him at that point. Okay. So he told him the plans, and then that, then that's when they decided to go to that, that place. And the Autobots only found out because Laserbeak, they, they played back his tape, or tape, they played back Laserbeak. He is the tape. And that's when they found out, and that's how they ended up ambushing the Decepticons, which leads me to my other ridiculous point. They all leave the cave look, because they, you know, Rumble comes and tells them that the Autobots are there. So Megatron steps out of the cave. He's standing at the entrance. He looks around for like two <laughs> seconds. But then out of nowhere, like right in front of him from, from the bottom of the screen, Optimus comes in and uppercuts Megatron like yes. 200 feet. Like how, how does he walk out the cave, look around, and then somehow gets ambushed by this giant 18-wheeler? <laughs> I thought that that was uh, just the funniest thing. That him flying like so far was just icing on the cake. <laughs> the uh, I did like how when Megatron first goes in the cave, he looks at the device, and then there's a commercial break, and then it returns, and the timer is set four minutes later, which means Megatron just stared at the device for four minutes, basking in the awe of its design. I'm just like, all right then, I guess that's how we're gonna deal with time jumps here. But uh, also, I know this is a little weird, but I thought Optimus sounded slightly different this episode. The modulation of his voice was just a little bit different. Oh, you said Optimus? Oh, yeah, Optimus' I voices just... was slightly off this episode. I don't know what it was about it, but it didn't sound like the previous episodes. Uh, maybe he's picking Completely. up some, uh, some human accents along with the human slang. Did you guys all predict what was going to happen? Because at first I was like, the minute Starscream flies to Earth toward the end, I'm like, oh. This is just going to end with Megatron shooting it into space and it's going to hit Starscream as he flies right into it. This is exactly what's going to happen, isn't it? And sure enough, Megatron and Optimus are just chilling down there. 
And then right when it's about to explode, they're like, oh, God, we got to throw it into the sky. And it just blows up right in his face. Even though it should blow up a planet, somehow Starscream survives. Add it to the list. <laughs> I do have some bad uh, news for you, though, uh, Thomas. So Optimus told his Autobots to attack. And then Ironhide and Jazz become infected with the CJ virus. That's Cliff Jumper. And immediately want <laughs> to fight instead of doing anything else. And they disobey orders to give in to their newfound bloodlust. Uh, I don't know if Will Jack was also a previous victim who's been infected, but he also <laughs> happened to show some bloodlust. When Optimus, when they, I guess earlier, halfway through the episode, when they were driving in the little canyon or whatever, they dropped the rocks on them. They, they dug out um, Bumblebee. Then they, Optimus tells them to take cover and then fire from cover. And like Will Jack's like, no, I want to stay here and fight. I don't want to hide in cover. <laughs> it's just the mo- just the most insane stuff. Like I mean, it, it Optimus has led them in battle countless times. Like, why are you doubting him now? Just follow the orders. You're you're the medic. Yeah, just keep ignoring him. There's no like Autobot brig back at base where he's like, well, you disobeyed orders. You're in the brig for a week now. And well, then yeah, like, there is. <laughs> they just have to open it up. Then you see the lights go up, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> 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 that's the brig you have to suffer the, a week with the dinobots while they or try to eat talk them. to they, you they, the dinobots will tear them apart after a while animation errors so I only saw one surprisingly Laserbeak is shot and falls down and he's the size of half of a transformer but then when he falls down he's small enough to fit inside Jazz's hand <laughs> so Little baby bird. That was all I saw. Like, I really didn't catch any this time. Maybe it's just because I was so engrossed in the episode. I don't know. And I mean, I feel like I've had issue with Laserbeak's dimensions in every episode. I think he's just a constant animation error. It's like his size <laughs> changes all the time. Did you guys catch anything? Uh, nah. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Apparently there's like, you know, like 50 uh, if you go to TF Wiki, but they're always so small, sometimes you don't really notice them. Yeah. Um, I guess one thing I had a question about, it's not really an error, it's just more of a design kind of thing. So the little minions that were on Cybertron, like helping out Starscream when he was there and Shockwave as well, they look like Reflector. Is that supposed to be a thing? Oh my god, I don't even remember now. Because then I was wondering, I was like, well, there was that episode where oh, it was that little slingshot cart that they had that they were going to use it to transport stuff to Cybertron. Yeah. And Reflector got stuck in it. Well, one of his ver- his his forms got stuck in it and got sent to Cybertron, and they never brought him back. So I was wondering, well, it makes sense that one of the workers would be Reflector, but there's two of them, so what's up with the other one? Uh, maybe uh, off screen the other another one went up to join him because as we've seen there's like 20 reflectors on the uh, Decepticon side <laughs> so deleted audio I do have one thing I want you all to listen to but first I'll tell you what some stuff that was on here there was 30 seconds of extra dialogue while they constructed the dam and attack laser beak and then he gets away And then others are worried the Decepticons are coming. And I'm like, I guess it's mainly like filler. But then there's Megatron sending Laserbeak to go spy on Starscream and Dr. Arkville. 
but it doesn't make sense because it's really early in the episode where he still has yet to know where they are with dialogue that's placed after it though. Yeah, that would definitely be a huge issue. Yeah, that would just seem like super obvious. It, it wouldn't make sense <laughs> at all to like go after them, but then let's spend a significant portion of the episode trying to find out where they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so listen to the deleted audio in the Dropbox at m- two minutes and 10 seconds until two minutes and 40 seconds, 30 seconds long. And I want you all to listen to it because I thought it was interesting. Decepticons! Land and attack! Now you're kicking on all circuits! Fire! Return fire and deploy! On my downbeat, beat them suckers down! Prepare to be destroyed! The bigger they are, the better I like it. <laughs> I think I heard the space bar for stop. Thomas, you back with us? No. Nope. Oh, he turned the mute on, so he's gonna wait until he's finished. Uh, yeah, I'm finished. I I <laughs> muted it because I needed the turn off. The sound wasn't playing through my headset, so I had to listen okay. to it through my laptop. You're uh, all good. So, but yeah, that was uh. <laughs> Why was it just a string of sound effect of just grunts? <laughs> I just I, I, I adore know. little I love little star screams just like Ehh! I'm like what, what are you okay, yeah. buddy? Did you did you stub your foot? Like, what? Some of that dialogue was just is it jazz? He's just like beat those suckers down. I'm like, whoa, they didn't yeah. use that in the episode. <laughs> That's that was uh it was funny. I but then that. we get yep, to the, the last one. The bigger they are, the better I like it. And I'm like, what is he even talking what? about? Also, that's just a terrible written line. <laughs> I know. But yeah, that was just all this extra bad of dialogue that wasn't used. And I thought you would enjoy that. There were three scenes around two minutes total that are just Wheeljack's voice actor reading lines instead during Megatron's scenes as if Peter Cullen wasn't there to record. So that was interesting. I mean, they're just like, we'll just swing it, guys. Do we have that audio? Uh, yeah, but it's like two minutes long. It's just the same scene we already have seen in the episode, but uh, with Wheeljack playing Optimus and not really acting because he doesn't need to that much. He's just trying to give uh, Frank Welker something to play off of. Oh, oh my God, just, there's a word for that, is... and now I'm blanking. All right. So, retcons. All the buildings are magically rebuilt by this episode, and all environmental damage is somehow reversed. And everyone on Earth must have collective amnesia because in later Japanese series, people sometimes don't even know the Transformers are there when their entire planet appeared in front of you for days. They're like, that's all just our collective imagination. And then was it Laserbeak gets free off screen, I guess, because he shows up next episode and it's never explained how he escaped. But then again, bad guys are always arrested, quote unquote, in 80s and 90s cartoons, only to just be randomly in the next episode without explanation because designing new characters and personalities every episode is too tough man but yeah i mean in this case i think it would probably be pretty easy i mean he <laughs> loses one cassette he just gets the new michael jackson album i'm sorry what i just totally blanked out and retain anything that you said <laughs> <laughs> that's probably for the best it should he shouldn't have been the first thing that come to mind <laughs> no it's fine you can hear it when when someone edits this again 
I even forgot. <laughs> I always listen to our episodes a month after like they're done being edited, but it's been so long now. I forget what episode I stopped at <laughs> just to like enjoy it. And I'm like, no, if there's any edits. Don't worry about it because we're done. It's done and we move on. Anybody have any retcons they found? No. Okay. Uh, besides the obvious one at the beginning of the episode where they were retconned to say that this is all Megatron's fault. Oh, yeah. That is right. Rhonda Thomas's favorite section, Starscream's blunders and other stupid moments. I do what I want when I want! So, Dr. Arkaville's secret base is in the side of a cliff right in front of a st- set of stairs that goes into nothing. Totally not indicating that there's a secret base here. Look, sometimes there are just random stairs in your life. You don't have to question them. <laughs> Starscream wants to destroy Earth and collect all the energy from its explosion? Or is it the building of energy from the generator that will release once the generator explodes, which just happens to take Earth with it? It was a little confusing. And then how's he going to collect it? If they could collect it, Megatron wouldn't have needed to build his dam and lightning collectors on Earth. They were not built on Cybertron. You have nothing on Cybertron to collect this energy unless it's just going to go everywhere and, you ho- and you're going to collect like five or less percent of it on Cybertron and the wet rest is just going to go out into space, which sounds See, like a really horrible plan. See, now you're forcing me to make you give credit to Starscream because <laughs> he did explicitly say how he was going to collect it. He's going to collect it the same way they always collect stuff in Energon cubes. So oh my when he god! Brought, when he brought Doctor Ockerville to Cybertron, and he was telling Shockwave what was going on, and Shockwave was doubting him, and he was telling him that I'm in charge now, and he agreed. Shockwave agreed to listen, and when Starscream was leaving the room, it was a throwaway line, but he said, "We have, I don't know what they call the shells, but he was saying that." The planet's getting ready to blow in a few hours. We need to be prepared to collect all the energy in the in the yeah. energon shells. Mm-hmm. It but was yeah, just so, one line. <laughs> okay, so even though they'll collect it, an explosion goes in all directions, though. So that means there's so much they're not going to collect. I I don't yeah how <laughs> they uh, yeah how do you, how do you harness the energy of a planet exploding? I don't know. <laughs> That's uh, some Starscream math right there. Look, guys, Starscream is a certified scientist. I'm sure he's got a handle on it. He's no longer a scientist. Okay, so for both he of you, was. he wanted his title of this episode to be Lord Starscream, Tyrant of the Firmament. <laughs> <laughs> he's earned it. He's already developed a crazy knowledge of just the human body because he, what, Dr. Arkaville got messed up by the computer security system that only Decepticons can activate. But then he converted him to a cyborg just out of nowhere. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously he's the smartest Decepticon there is. He's probably smarter than all the Autobots. Agreed. So any any blunders and stupid moments in this episode from either of you? Starscream was perfect in this episode. I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't have to be just Starscream, though that's all I got for this episode. <laughs> but anyone else doing you know, stupid things. I'm pretty sure they were just all average uh, stupid this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Thomas, you go. I was going to say, I thought that the cave door to uh, Dr. Archiville's lab was pretty dumb. Uh, (laughs) It 
it was pretty dumb getting in Starscream's way and forcing Starscream to have to make an example out of it by throwing it in the in the valley down below. <laughs> oh yeah, that was I forgot to mention that one little bit at the beginning about how he made an example out of the door and threatened the the this Dr. Arkaville with it. He was like, yeah. that's going to be you if you keep giving me a hard time. <laughs> hey, boys, we're going to be movie stars! So who do you think is the main character of this episode? Starscream. Starscream. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Starscream and Dr. Arkaville. They <laughs> almost have yes. as much screen time. And then Arkaville actually has, you know... A sort of a character arc. He's trying to save the planet if he can because he realizes, you know, it's a bad idea to do all this oh, stuff. Oh, it's wrong. Not that he can, not that he does anything throughout the episode because he's always by Starscream's side. Unless did he show? Did he give information away at all to Megatron or the Autobots, or was he just there the whole time, doing nothing but having someone Starscream can talk to so he won't go crazy? I don't think he actually gave any information because he was on Cybertron the whole time, and then yeah. Uh, then Starstream left Cybertron. The Doctor is still there, back on Cybertron. So I wouldn't actually give him the honor of being the main character. To me, it would uh, need to be. It's well, it's it's Starstream. You have to actually do something. Yeah, it's Starstream, and then the other main character I think is Megatron. Well, he prevented Starstream from getting into that door for f- at least five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that is not enough to gain the main character status. Well, he did. Uh, he did. Let's see. He discovered Starscream's plan. I just don't remember if he warned anybody about it by saying. I mean, off was an it alarm. really a discovery when Starscream was performing the plan right there in front of him? He wasn't <laughs> hiding it. <laughs> didn't he convince Starscream to go down to Earth in the first place, or did he just? Make- I mean, he didn't convince him. He just made it obvious that Starscream had to go down there himself. Yeah. So he did. See, he did help out somewhat. I'm going to have to watch it again to see if he actually contributed it at all to the episode, other than, you know, helping program the explosion. His contribution was helping the viewer understand the flow of the episode. Otherwise, Starscream would just be talking to himself like a madman, right? Would that have been so bad? I mean, it just would have been more lines from Starscream. I still think he and Starscream were both the main characters, unless I'm outvoted by the both of you. Absolutely outvoted. Yep. Oh, all right. Is this the first let's episode Starscream is Star the main have his character? Title. Yes. Let, let him have it. Just just let him have this one. Even when he took over, like, what, episode four or five? He was only, like, took it over for five minutes, and then it's back to Megatron again. So this was, like, his first real episode, I think. Yeah. It's the first episode without Megatron. Well, kind <laughs> of. Megatron's energy, which I guess for this episode, is titled Starscream's Energy. Energy! We won't need to conserve it after tomorrow! And we already went over his entire plan already, so we're just going to skip that. Yeah, any last thoughts about this episode? Uh, nope. Nah, I think we covered it mostly. It's a lot lot of Starscream. (laughs) Alright. So we're going to go on to our character spotlight. You know, Spike's favorite friend and until he discovered Bumblebee, Hound. (laughs) Wow. So, you know what? And I'm trying, I'm thinking back. (laughs) I think that's how, that's definitely how it was. Cause like in the first couple episodes, like Spike would ride around uh, 
in Hound because you could still it was it was easier to see the car move around, but also still see Spike's face, and it was easy for him to animate him jumping out of it instead of having to open up a car door, close it, all that kind of crap. Look, Spike Spike is allowed to choose which car to ride around in. He's allowed to have multiple cars. He just took Hound for a test drive. Yeah, he wasn't really feeling it. <laughs> he couldn't really work with his payments and stuff. So, like, I I, I realize that now too. Is um, Hound was the first three episodes, which was actually the TV pilot, which probably means other writers who worked on the next few episodes just put Bumblebee in there, and then that's how it became. Like, they must have chose Hound, the people working on the first three, whereas the others chose Bumblebee without talking to each other. <laughs> I don't. Was G.I. Joe already airing when this when during those first three episodes? Oh my god, I have to look up like I thought it was data now. I yeah, I would assume it was, and I, now that I think about it, them trying to choose Hound as the human companion to be in most of the episodes kind of makes sense if they want to have just you know like well we see the kids really like this army style thing. Here's the army jeep, right? Instead of just. Here's just a random Volkswagen Beetle that nobody would ever, no kid would ever really think about ever. I mean, it's a, it's a cute car. It's, it's mm-hmm. a cute little toy car. It sells toys. <laughs> if I write G.I. Joe in Google or search, the first thing that comes up is the Rise of Cobra movie. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like that movie. It felt like a live action cartoon. That's what all you could ask for, really, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, came out in eighty five. What and uh, oh, Transformers came out eighty four. I think. Oh, okay, so a year right? apart. I don't. Yeah, it's eighty four. Yes. Hopefully, the toys came out in eighty three. Oh, that's right, because we have jumped ahead to some of the books and stuff that are in eighty five. But mainly, yeah, mm-hmm. we've been reading eighty four stuff. So no, there's just that. Uh, I can read the quote. <laughs> um, observe everything. Remember even more. We got to remember, did we say that Hound is a green Jeep for those who might be confused, you know, with all the multiple Transformer characters? Oh. <laughs> That's all. It's all good. Um, yeah, I just didn't realize that Hound was so uh, poetic. His description is, Hound loves the natural wonders of Earth, prefers it to Cybertron, brave, fearless, loyal, secretly desires to be human. Excuse me? <laughs> Uses turret guns as radar scope, infrared radiation collector, tracks machines as well as humans, hologram gun projects three-dimensional grid laser light topographical maps, and vulnerable to thermal and electromagnetic interference. Wait, no, seriously, can we go back to this whole human thing? I'm wondering what a three-dimensional grid laser light topographical map is. Is that just like a three-dimensional... Is that like just a map where you can plan your war strategies on? You're like just a yeah. smaller version. Yeah, just call it like a hologram. It's just a hologram, hologram map. There's no strategy in these things. It's just Autobots attack, Decepticons attack. I mean, have you ever? That's why you've never seen Hound use this. <laughs> they only ever go quick, hide in cover, and that's about the only other strategy they use. Guys, we're Hound. losing the plot. He wants to be a human. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 really? Let's go back to this. Let us dissect this. What? <laughs> well, he does love Earth. I remember in the early episodes, he likes how peaceful Earth is because he's like, there's no like, you know, war taking up the whole planet. There's birds and trees. Okay, but one of his first interactions with humans was them attacking him, throwing tools and stuff at him. What makes him go from 
loving the the atmosphere of the planet the in the in the abyss that they often hang out in to wanting to be a human that yeah because like <laughs> you can be a robot and enjoy earth but not want to be a human <laughs> yeah i think that's something that was never used in the actual show because this was just the back of the toy maybe he's jealous of of the human's touch he wants their sense of smell it was ever since spike wrote him he just wanted to be a human <laughs> <laughs> I'm so uh, sorry. Well, one one Autobot will uh, will actually become human in the future. I don't surprised. Uh, oh. didn't take that chance to become human. Oh, don't make this a Sonic thing, please. What so- is Sonic <laughs> trying to turn into a human now? Is that the plot of the next game? He's just going to be a human? No, just the weird interspecies love kind of thing. Sonic, just... 06. <laughs> Sonic 06 Sonic O six. But no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it until we get yeah. there. Thomas, fade after the movie. Wait, I still function. Fade after the movie. In the movie, Hound was seen outside the Autobot base before the attack, but also at Optimus's ship when Optimus Prime arrived in to join the fight at Autobot City. But he was never seen again after the movie. He was either trapped outside and rejoined the fight later, or one of these is an animation error. He joined a rescue team to help save Cybertronian civilians after Unicron's attack and could now form with his other season one survivors to become Sky Rain. Okay. It's like the, thir- it's like the third guy we've reviewed who became Sky Rain. In like- I don't, well, I, I'm pausing and because I'm confused. Is like, I know of combiners. I did not know of a combiner named Sky Rain. And I didn't know that regular Autobots could just be decide to become a combiner somehow. This is some toy from like six. Years ago, supposedly, you know, the stories are canon to the rest of the universe. So it's basically all these season one characters that can combine to become Sky Rain. Oh, okay. So like, you know, modern day people wanted to just make more combiners. Yeah. Okay. He also gained the ability to project people's memories as holograms. So he basically gained Soundwave's power of mind reading combined with his own hologram powers. He went on to use his holograms to produce Cybertronian musical plays. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) He traveled to Japan to stop G.I. Joe's Cobra Commander. (laughs) That couldn't officially be called Cobra Commander. (laughs) Excuse me? That was like like the one time I think he showed up in season three. Well, then. Was this in... Was this in Transformers or... They used him in the manga again. Like that not... Cobra Commander in some of the manga later. I love that. I'm so glad because I was so upset that they only used him for that one episode. Yeah. And I'm mad I can't remember his name right now. So, Thomas, continue. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll get there. Don't worry. Uh, I mean, yeah, because I I love, I mean, I love Cobra Commander. So I'm just like, I want to know. I want to see that now. (laughs) (laughs) Just just wait. It'll it'll happen. It, it, It is so worth it. All right, he returned in the animated series Headmasters, but stationed on another planet so he wouldn't appear on the show for more than one episode. This was his last canonical appearance. So he survived, but then really didn't go on to do much. I mean, that's better than some robots. Some robots were just forgotten. They didn't get to become a part of Sky Rain. <laughs> yeah. True yeah. facts. We got some hound fun facts. We can just take turns. Reading them, starting with one of you. Sure, I'll start out. Both the French and Portuguese names translate hound to tracker, and his names in other countries are everything from scout, Danish, kangaroo, Italian. Really, it's not Australian? 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, Hunter, Portuguese and Russian, and Chief Detective in China. Oh, I'm not sure which one I like more. <laughs> Chief Detective. That's all beautiful. His animated design was based on the package art and not the figure, resulting in his rifle only being a gun in the show, but a long rifle for the actual figure. Huh. Hound was one of the Japanese diaclone lines that came with a human pilot, even though he did have a head. His rocket launcher had to be changed to fire, not so fast, so children wouldn't shoot their eyes out. Oops. So, oh, that's right. I saw a commercial in Japan. It actually went... Boom! Like really across the room, but in America it just goes pachu before falling down. So they Funny wanted now. to make it so people wouldn't, you know, kids wouldn't shoot other kids in the eye with his rocket launcher. America. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh, this is my note. So I guess I better read it. So I'm not into many toys, but I did see there was a line called "War for Cybertron," where you can apply battle damage stickers onto the robots. And uh, but all I can think is once this is battle damaged, is it stuck that way forever or do the stickers come off? Because I found like Hound had a figure in that line. and I just like, OK, huh? <laughs> forever dead. <laughs> OK, so one of his figures transforms into a van. <laughs> but but even then, it's really awkward because his head just comes up above the van and his legs below it. So it's not really a tra- a transformation. I I have I have the Rodimus version of that. Uh, what? That's what I my note says. says. I know, I know, but I have that one too. Yeah, it looks very blocky, but not as bad as this hound one. Yeah, I got that at like uh, the Japanese festival yeah. that's in DC all the time. I just found these little. They were like called There's Transformer Cute. Yep. Who's? Yeah. It, Sorry, uh, no. They, they're called Transformer Q. That's, okay, cool. They're, yeah, they're super just, cute. Like, sorry. Yeah, just just like little blocky ones. When I saw the Rodimus, I was like, I have to get this one. They're just so precious. Like my friend bought me mine, and I'm just like, I can't decide whether I want him in like, the, in its in its robot form or in its car form because both of them are just cute. Like, what is this stupid toy? <laughs> Thomas, you <laughs> want to? That actually just made me think your description of it just being like a van that sounds like it's just stood up vertically. And then it has legs and a head at the top of it. It kind of just made, for whatever reason, it made me think of just an elephant or a rhino just standing up on his hind legs, act like a human in a weird way. You're there is far. just a rhino <laughs> that does that in Beast Wars. And he often, oh Rhinox often talks. He just stands up on his hind legs and talks as like he's a regular human. Okay. So, so I don't, it was just a weird, just a weird that my so, brain just thought of that. <laughs> so type in Transformers Q toys and go to the images and you'll see like what I'm talking about. There's actually a bulky Optimus, a bulky Wheeljack, and Bumblebee. There's even a, a movie Optimus, and I'm like, oh, man. Movie Optimus? Yeah, he's designed to look like Optimus oh. from the live-action movie. Oh. I mean, actually, this is a lot different than what I was thinking, because, I mean, these look like cars. They're just, like, on a raised platform and not necessarily... So I thought the van was turned basically, like, 90 degrees up in the air, so, like, its trunk would be, like, on the ground. But these actually look kind of cool yeah they do but for some reason hounds just looks really poorly designed <laughs> or just doesn't look right i don't know oh there's a starscream one why don't i have the, so the hound one? one is uh oh, man, he's shockwave a van. Looks, 
Soundwaves actually looks really cool. Oh, Hounds. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's got some extra baggage on the back of his. His um, proportions look kind of off. There is a Hello Kitty Decepticon version of one of them. But uh, I like all yeah. of these. The Starscream one I'm looking at, I don't know if this is a Transformers Q one, but the Starscream one I'm looking at looks like trash. I hate this one. The one with the fat, like, uh, it looks like a really fat cockpit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For some reason, Hound <laughs> is the only one that doesn't show up on my image search now. Why does Rodimus look like a hot rod, like, camper van? <laughs> I'm sorry. I love hey, this little that one Starscream. Oh, no. The Starscream one's not good. No, it's so fat. I love him. <laughs> He's so fat with tiny little legs. All right. We've <laughs> got to post some of these images on the uh, for this episode. I kind of like the RC one, too, even though I don't usually ever like the RC, like, 80s design. It just looks Aww, but funny. her face is adorable. Like, you can't mm-hmm. not like that. Did you guys see the Hello Kitty one? No. Where she has a Decepticon logo and all these slashes as if she's been attacked. I mean, I found Hound. Oh, I still haven't found him, even though I'm the one who mentions it in our notes. I had he to Google him terrible. specifically. Yeah, he looks terrible. All right, so we will show everyone in our links everything but him. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, I'm, I, just getting, look, I'm just getting regular Hound figures. I don't. Are you anyway, <laughs> anyway. So anyway, any uh, we, any guys want to talk about anything else uh, for our podcast? I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I started watching the Vehicle Force Voltron, and Peter Cullen is the captain on that show. Who he doesn't combine, but he's the one, the captain that's in charge of all the people that form the uh, the Vehicle Force Voltron for that show, which is Dairiger in Japan. And that's been fun to watch just because as episodes go by, they get more and more altered from their original Japanese plots and content because too much death and war and stuff starts happening. Yep. <laughs> Wait, is this like, sorry, is this the original Voltron that you're watching, like from the 80s? Yeah, the it's the original Voltron from the 80s where they took two where series. They took, yeah. Oh, I was going to say where they took the uh, same clip and just put it at the ending of like several episodes when somebody died because they yes. were just like, they can't show it. So let's just have Red Guy get kissed again by the princess and everything's hunky dory. Yeah. No one will notice. I'm talking about the uh, Vehicle Force Voltron, though, which is 15 people that combine into one giant uh, other Voltron, even though it's from a completely different show, because the original is from Go Lion, whereas Vehicle Force comes from Die Rugger uh, 15. I thought I knew about Voltron in general what you guys are saying. I what are you saying? That's what I see. I I didn't know this existed, too, to like uh, as I was. When I bought the re-release, the original Voltron, like, over a decade ago, they also released Vehicle Force Voltron. I'm like, what? what is Vehicle Force Voltron? So I had to look it up, like, on the internet to know even what, what the heck it was. Because when I was a kid, they only aired the other Voltron. But apparently they alternated between showing them, but kids just did not like Vehicle Force as much because a lot of the characters didn't have personalities because they were only showing the plot most of the time. So I can understand why nobody knew who most of the characters were. So I knew that Voltron did use footage from the other series, but I thought it was just simply just using, you know, some of the uh, like vehicle stuff. I didn't know that 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 they decided to just use everything whole cloth. I mean, to me, that's just like, why? Like, did you not like the characters that you had? Did you feel like well, the no. universe needed to be more 
populated or something. Well, they were grabbing, uh, they wanted to do like a hundred some episodes, uh, syndication. So to make that work, they were going to get three completely different series and then edit them as if they all existed in the same universe. So the plan was to make, you know, Die Rugger is the inner universe, which is near Earth. Voltron is the far universe. Like, they're so far away from Earth, they can't even get here in time. So that's why they're always fighting a different enemy. And then there was supposed to be an inner universe Voltron. I mean, a middle universe Voltron, but that one never got created because Voltron just got too mega popular and nobody cared about the Vehicle Force people. So they just went and hired the Japanese company to make more episodes two years after they'd already stopped making them. <laughs> and did this, was this a Japan thing or was this also, did this also happen in the U S like, did... no, this is the U S the U S took oh, wow. two, uh, two different Japanese shows and a third one they were going to do. And they oh. were going to just edit them all to be in the same universe. But, uh, so they would make reference to, I don't each know, other, maybe that's why, track. uh, I don't know. I never felt like Voltron was too popular. Like I, it seemed like people knew of it, but it didn't seem like anybody was really into it that much. Okay, I had a Voltron figure. So I mean, you had a Voltron figure. You didn't have a Vehicle Force figure. <laughs> yeah, though the vehicle like, was. Were a you gift watching too. all this other stuff too? Like, do you remember that? You know, be, being into that stuff in your childhood, the extra oh, stuff. That, oh, that's right. I never saw Voltron on TV. It was always through VHS rentals. So that's probably why I never saw Vehicle Force. I remember watching some random episodes of Voltron on TV, but I don't remember anybody else saying that they were watching it as well. I didn't really hear about Voltron until until like middle school, high school, where people were like, remember Voltron? Oh, wow. <laughs> that was one of my earliest memories, watching that. But apparently, according to my mom and dad, uh, I must have been in that age where I wanted to rent it every week or two so it was like i was watching it constantly and probably driving them crazy the same three or four episodes that were on the initial vhs (laughs) you know how like little kids will just watch the same video for months at a time over and over that was one of them that and sword in the stone apparently was what i was obsessed with as a as a baby ninja turtles and back to the future those are my two can't get better than that I, I thought you were going to say Back to the Future, the cartoon, after you said Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, no. I never watched the cartoon. Uh, the cartoon seemed terrible to me, even as a kid. All right. Well, I guess we will. That was our pilot for uh, random 80s <laughs> nostalgia. And then next episode, we'll look for some. For, uh, for the next 10 minutes of that pilot. <laughs> we'll have some Voltron Transformers uh, crossover uh, fan fiction for you next episode. Oh, I'm sure somebody's done it. Oh, but are there fan comics? Like the Mighty Orbots. Or- <laughs> like the Mighty Orbots Transformers comic we found. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, Mighty wait, oh yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> I was like, Orbots is good, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of, I think that's our next episode. What a segue. <laughs> I hope you all can join us for our next episode where we'll take it's a brief one episode. Uh, detour into some other giant robots. So, signing off, this is Sean. Sam and Lama. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thomas. Good night. Night. <laughs>